Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, Vail Recreation District Board meeting. All members are present. Um, Mike, are there any changes to tonight's agenda? No, sir. Next item is uh, approval of the minutes for January 25th of 2024. Any questions or changes? I had a question as it related to uh, 15.2. Many departments were able to beat their budgets as expenses uh, for expenses as well. F&B made changes, adding a fee to credit card payments that led to many people paying by check and saw savings. We're still accepting credit cards in the bar area and stuff. We're talking about banquet activities. Weddings and things like that. That's correct. So um, they can still pay by credit card, but um, it's more expensive. Correct. But for our people coming in uh, for dinners and drinks and things like that, this I'd like that to note in the minutes that this is for our banquet business so that we don't discourage locals from coming out and having a cup of soup and a beer yep. and using a credit card. Yep. We do take cash, though. <laughs> um, that's my only change to the minutes. Move I'll, to approve the minutes. I'll second it. Any further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Next item on the agenda is public input. This is for matters not on this evening's agenda. Um, if you would like to come up and address the board, please make your way to the podium. Seeing no one this evening, I'll close public input and move to the new business. Uh, special order is a resolution adopting a consumer data privacy, oops, help me out. Privacy policy. Yeah, you want to um, explain why we're looking at that, Mike? Yeah, we often, the district often gets a lot of requests from people uh, meaning well, wanting, you know, an email list or information so that they can conduct a survey so that they can put out marketing to a certain group um, and we we by law are not allowed to put out personal information and if you look in there in the um, in the resolution it'll tell you what you know personal information is you know a government issued driver's license identification card number government passport so we usually, by practice, we don't give that information out, but we've had a number of requests lately. So it was Allison's suggestion that we, we put this policy in play. And those requests are coming from whom? Um, just, for instance, one came from a pickleball user who wanted to survey uh, the pickleball players in the area to see if a, a business model was viable. I see. So it's people <clears throat> not requesting for information, but they want want to put out a survey, and so this is just a this is just gap. part of it. You okay. can't do, you can't give them out give out their email address. So um, when I read through this policy, it, it does. Do we have I guess my overarching question is: is I'm looking at 
you just went over two A one the personal identifying information. Broad it covers a lot of different stuff. Anything mm-hmm. from things that you'd want things. These are things that people want protected: social security numbers, any right. passwords, codes, ID information. Um, it also it says um, or a financial transaction device as defined by eighteen five seven zero three seven zero one three of the Colorado. Um, statutes. I, I'm assuming that means like when people give us credit cards and things like that, we're guaranteeing to people we're going to protect your information and not allow it to be hacked or disseminated from by an employee or or something of that. Yeah, we do have quite a hefty uh, insurance policy with CEBT on that. And, and that uh, covers these types of incidents. Data breaches, that, yeah. Data breaches. Okay, good. That's that's comforting to know. And we also pass almost 100% of that off to the credit card processing company. We, we are not the ones storing credit card numbers. Correct. You read about, but you know, and I'm not saying this, but, you know, major companies have data breaches. They're targeted by hackers who are stealing people's personal and information. And we don't have that. Our vendors have that information and when they get hacked that is their problem right we are not the ones very purposely keeping that information. okay so we're not taking and storing credit card information the third party vendor is doing it so they have the procedures and protocols in place correct correct yes correct all right so there and then just an overarching question would be looking at b and c you know, we have a destruction slash disposal policy that's in B. And then under C, we're, under, we're undertaking certain security measures. There are four categories of security measures there. Um, with those, do we have internal, internal policies or procedures that we formulated at this point? We that do would not go with this. We do not, but we'll be we'll be putting that together with Allison's help. Okay. It mostly comes into play in community programming, where we have so much uh, data because of immunizations. Um, yeah. You know all that stuff. So we we're, we are regulated by the state on those things. So we feel confident about it, but we want to put this policy in place and then put the procedures in place so they coincide, just like you're talking about. Okay. I would just encourage us to be able to move quickly on that, especially if we're approving a policy today so that we have the internal written procedures in place so everybody that's working with this type of information is aware of how it's supposed to be handled. Anything else for Mike? John, you want to make a motion? Mr. Chairman, I move that um, the Vail Park and Recreation District approve um, a resolution adopting a consumer data privacy policy as presented to us today in our packet uh, on pages 7, 8, and 9 of our packet um, and and, um, as discussed. So moved. I'll second. Thank you. (laughs) Any further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Also in favor? Next item on the agenda is unfinished business 
alternative ice, Dobson Ice Arena, Ice Area, Arena, renovations. What's going on with Dobson these days? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I really wanted to talk to you about uh, alternative ice or displacement ice, whatever we want to call it. We've, we've been working on that hard for at least two years now, and I feel like we have a good track. We are, uh, Russ Forrest, uh, in the last meeting I told you that Russ Forrest was now involved. So Russ and I are actually going to meet with Avon, Eagle Vale, um, Eagle, Eagle County, and then some other um, business people in the valley who are interested in ice. We're gonna, you know, lay it out on the table of here's our timeline, um, here's how much money is probably needed to do this, uh, Vale's commitment to what they'll put into the ice, VRD's commitment into operating it in the time that Dobson's down, and then just see where everybody's at. Uh, we still feel, um, at least I feel very confident that uh, Eagle County is our best path right now if that continues to work. but. There's a lot of things up in the air, you know. There's, uh, there's, it's. We're looking probably at an 11 million dollar facility, and it's not all fully funded. So we've we've got to work on that. So that's what we're working on. Um, I'll be able to tell you more after tomorrow's meeting. But I, I, I appreciate Russ's help in trying to get this done, and I'm, I'm confident we'll get it done. You know, I'm the one that opened my big mouth uh, a couple of meetings, council meetings ago and said, we're going down to Eagle County, and then we didn't get to do it. But thankfully, uh, Jeff Schroll has been working hard with his, with his county commissioners and with his staff. And, and that's really what's pushing this right now, is his staff uh, is working really hard to make this happen. Uh, we still have lots of hurdles to get over, but I feel confident we're on a good path. And we have everybody, all the entities talking now, so that's, that's a good thing. What would be our commitment on that $11 million? Right now, the VRD's financial commitment would be to run the facility once it's up and going. We don't have a, a commitment to capital, per se. Okay. In, in a facility that the kind of the vision right now um, of, of Potential or potential opportunities would be a, a full facility, somehow getting something built um, from scratch. Correct. So what we've been working on is a facility that we can be used year-round so that the county would use it in the summertime, and eventually, when it's fully operational, Mountain Rec would run it in the wintertime for ice. And they would have other uses potentially during the summer months. Correct. So 4-H uses, stuff that goes with the with the fairgrounds, and that's why I'm excited about this plan. Right? We could have a we could have an ice facility, but if it sits empty all summer, that that doesn't do much good. I, I really like this project because it it does something for the whole county in regard to having a year-round facility and and different interests. Right? That's what we try to do with the fields at Ford Park. We try to have lots of different sports or different things on top of it, lots of flexibility. That's what this facility would would have as well. So that's why I like that. 
have we figured out a timeline on the build out of that facility? There, um, Jeff Schroll's staff is working on that, our, okay. our county manager, and uh, Jesse is working real hard on that. I, he's doing a great job, but um, you know, we will tell everybody tomorrow, and I think everybody knows, but we plan to start construction spring of 25, March of 2025. So For the clock is ticking, yep. And if, and if I could, just to change it, because I know in board member input, we've had uh, both John and Kirk went to the rec subcommittee meeting talking specifically of Dobson. Why don't we bring the team up to speed as to what your thoughts were on the meeting? Um, I don't know if anybody other than myself and you guys got the, the minutes of that meeting, but um, maybe you could elaborate a little bit on how that subcommittee meeting went since we're on the dops and, and the ice, I'd appreciate it. <clears throat> John, you wanna go ahead? Sure, um, so what we heard at the meeting, um, they're, they're at the point where um, having worked with Populous on the design um, and having worked with VRD staff in the town, um, the uh, design went out to bid and um, we got three bids back, um, all substantially higher um, than the uh, budget that had been uh, provisionally approved by town council, which is uh, around $55 million. Um, the, the bids came in in the 70, 60s and 70s. Um, so at that point, the town went back and took the bids and looked at the actual components of the project um, and, and where savings um, could be um, potentially made um, and were able to identify a considerable amount of areas where savings can be made um, looking at two of the contractors' bids in particular. Um, no general contractor has been selected at this point. Um, and they were able to um, eliminate some redundancies, uh, in particular with the ICE system. Um, it had been built to specs to run an NHL team, an NHL arena, which um, means that you had redundancies and everything. Um, taking out those redundancies not only led to cost savings in that system, it also led to savings in actual physical renovations to Dobson since you won't need so much space um, and you wouldn't need to bump out, for instance, the northwest corner of that facility. So that, that the, the long and short of the conversation is, of that part of the conversation is, is that the town's working and the town's representative is working very um, closely with con to some of the con two of the contractors, at least at this point, in trying to find savings to bring their bid prices down. The major component is going to be that's being looked at um, is eliminating um, the new roof structure and moving forward how we could, because that the savings are close to, I believe, $20 million from eliminating the roof or something close to that. Uh, everything in. The, the roof, Every I think, is about 10, 10 12 million. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Um, so it, it, it's um, now looking at the engineering uh, 
possibilities with keeping the same roof. It will result in a little bit different seating capacity. Um, the major change to the plans would be eliminating uh, the mezzanine or the balcony area um, that was going to seat around 120 people. Um, if we keep the existing roof, um, uh, then that's most likely not going to be able to happen. Um, but we would be able to, what they're working toward is being able to keep all the other upgrades that I think the rec district thought were essential um, in having a nice functioning facility going forward for the next 40 years, including locker room expansion, um, all, you know, all the improvements with the ice refrigeration system, um, I believe the HVAC system throughout, um, upgraded bathrooms, uh, the bleachers, or, or sorry, the seats um, on the south side of the arena would go in, new concessions, uh, all of those improvements. Uh, so I think it, where they are is they're going to go back and, and uh, look at the engineering with the roof and make recommendations to town council at town council's March 5th meeting um, as to moving forward with one of the three contractors um, exploring further revisions to the plans to try to get within the town's current budget. Um, but it does look like keeping the existing roof in some form. Wow, he was listening. That yeah, is that is one good. report. Anything else, Kirk? <laughs> so proposed construction start is about a year from now. It's a, at least a two-year build process. So uh, we won't have ice right in Vail uh, for two years. That's what BRD is working hard on is an alternative ice surface to keep all the hockey programs, which are over 300 people uh, going in terms of leagues and games and, and whatnot. Um, so we're talking about not only an ice facility, but also a special events facility for the town. So we're talking about better lighting, better sound, uh, just overall better uh, entertainment experience, better, better seating. As you know right now, the, a lot of the hockey games, you've got several hundred people standing up for the whole game. That's, that's not a great experience. So all of those are being factored in. So, yep. And the occupancy numbers look good, even losing those 120 seats. Um, the occupancy will be better than what we have now. Touching upon what Kirk just said, it will be a better guest experience um, for people. They'll be able to sit instead of standing five deep. Mike, Scott, anything you guys would like to add to that since you were at that meeting? Uh, Scott, if you want to come up, but I, I think the big thing is that um, you know, we're, we need to look at the roof. We need to look at what needs to be done. Can it be reinforced? Um, and I think that the town really needs to figure out, um, you know, we're using it mainly as a, as a nice facility, but they're going to want it as a special event facility. So we need to really concentrate on that and make sure that happens as well so that we're, you know, we're spending an awful lot of money and to, to go down or uh, diminish the experience of a special event at Dobson doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think, you know, once we select a contractor, it can actually make some 
design changes or or get some design and engineering put in so that the contractor can make some good assumptions on what costs will be we'll continue to whittle that number down but it, at some point i would see the vrd and town council getting together and making a decision on okay we're at the crossroads now what are we what are we going to do here what do we want this facility to be what do you want it to be town what do you want it to be vrd and how do we accomplish that just a reminder to the public that this is about a 55 56 million dollar project the there's been uh, you know that's not coming out of current funds there's been a tax tax incentive financing over what, over 10 years that in the lion's head district that's been going essentially going into a savings account um, to renovate the lion's head area uh, and the number one targeted application for this is the uh the dobson project so uh you know 55 million dollars sounds like a, a big number but it, there's over 10 years of savings that have gone into majority about i don't know almost 40 million is uh, could be used for dobson so excellent update um did i hear you say john that they were going to have a council meeting on the f march 5th uh currently planning uh to go to council on fort march 5th to have a, a contractor selected in order to engage and i think they refer to it as a pre-construction contract correct so it's to move the process forward with one of the one of the three who have submitted bids but there still needs to be a lot further refinements in terms of what will go into dobson what the what the actual plans are Sounds, will work. sounds like an afternoon work session discussion as opposed to an evening meeting. Keep us posted when we get that. We'll do. We'll get their agendas and we can uh, plan to participate or at least show up. Thank you for that, guys. Um, next item is Timber Ridge Neighborhood Apartments and Employee Housing Plan. <clears throat> Mike, you want to start it out and then we can yeah i don't know how um familiar you are with the packet but we are right now currently slated to or we have deposits in for two two bedroom units and one studio i think it's important for you to know that um you know with our seasonality most of our our need for employee housing comes in the summertime um and right now there isn't a huge interest in year-round housing but that's because we're using people that or these people our people our staff has been with us a long time as that staff starts to turn over we, we will see that change um, so I think um, we want to be in the business in some form um, as an example of our summer housing we just secured housing um, for five bedrooms and more beds than than we have bedrooms but we're looking to use that for our golf interns and then for um, some new f and b employees that we want to bring in again seasonal so i think there's the opportunity for us to do that to continue to do that seasonally but i would encourage us in some form to get into the into employee housing um, <coughs> The interesting thing about these units at Timber Ridge is there is no cap on appreciation. Um, so um, 
you know, I, I think it would, we're, we're not going to lose our money on it, right? So that's a good thing. And, um, you know, it's still, say we wanted to bring somebody in, but we had already rented the, the units out. We, we would probably, in my mind, we'd have to, depending on how bad we wanted this employee, we'd have to rent another place. And then, you know, because of the seasonality, say, okay, we, we, can, we can fully house you in the summertime so that you have a place to be. And that's how you would, you know, hire your next golf course superintendent or executive chef or, you know, I'm really looking at positions or I think we, we are looking at positions that require, uh, you know, a certain base of knowledge or a degree or something like that. I, I don't think you use this housing. Um, Unless you have the ability, but you don't use this housing just for, you know, your everyday employee. For the seasonal aspect, um, imagine that I've got a few notes. Um, I think we all covered those first 10 bullet points that we talked about months ago as far as cost of possession, who's going to run it, how we're going to rent it, HOAs are unknown. Um, costs are unknown. Um, I look at the two bedroom units. In July of last year, they said they were going to be $655,000 a piece. Guarantee you they've gone up 10% since last July. Um, significant money. Um, I think we need to and we should explore master leasing. But before I go there, I would be happy to say that Mike has secured five beds for the summer. Uh, there's an owner that's willing to rent to us, um, hopefully for summers to come, five beds. Uh, the golf course has had for a number of years uh, three bedrooms in a unit in Eastvale, I believe, that they've been renting out to um, our golf pros that have come in. So as I count them, there's eight units right there. Uh, master leasing. We've talked to the, uh, the town's largest employer, and there is great interest in that we share a master lease because they have need in the winter and we have need in the summer. Um, that was met with enthusiasm and is moving its way up the chain uh, as we speak. Um, and master leasing, we talked last time about, um, <clears throat> here I am, papers all over the place. Um, so we're looking at uh, one studio and two two bedrooms. Um, the two, the, they're all going up by 10%. I'm not sure that we need that quantity of units that we own, given that we're looking at, I think we should seriously consider master leasing. I think we should seriously consider getting rid of one of the two bedrooms, if not the studio also. What we would like, I'd like to see in place is when we have a key employee, um, Mike leaves, we don't have anybody to replace him, and we find somebody, and as um, we found out with our um, um, gymnastics. gymnastics coach, we, we can find people to replace people, but they can't find a place to live. And if we had a two-bedroom unit, so if that person was married or families or and qualified, we could bring them in 
and put them in that unit. And I, I would envision putting a timeline on that. In two years, you've got to find another place. <clears throat> but if we've got people in there, um, I don't think we put people in long term. I think we put them in seasonally. And if we need to find interim housing, uh, Mike used to work at a place, the Christie Lodge. And they do monthly rentals down at the Christie Lodge. We could temporarily put that person there until our two-bedroom unit became available. They do put a limit on how many people you can put in a unit there at the Christie Lodge. Just but, yeah. If so, if it's someone with a family, it might not work. Okay, okay. But those are, <clears throat> those are options that I, I was thinking about. Um, we've got eight bedrooms now, or we've got eight beds. We've got exploring master leasing. If we knocked out a studio and one two-bedroom, that's a million-dollar savings. I think we can find a place to use that. And you know what? We can master lease for a long time with a million dollars in the bank. Um, I'm not sure that we need the quantity. Um, I would be leaning towards getting rid of the studio and one two-bedroom. But this is not my... Uh, this is a board, and we need to uh, discuss some of this, but we're running up against a deadline uh, when the price is going to go firm. Although I did hear they got another little extension because they couldn't f finalize a contract between CDOT and so Timber Ridge, so we got another. We're looking at the earliest May 1, um, more likely June 1, when that final payment has to be made. Okay, May 1 mm -hmm. or June 1? But May one is just a worst case scenario, or correct? Not earliest, it can earliest, happen. yeah. <coughs> so Bob makes a lot of good points. Mike, you've been here for over thirty years. What, <clears throat> what's your feeling on the subject in terms of going forward to attract the best people? Well, I really, you know, it's just my philosophy that we invest in people that already live here. <clears throat> I, th I think that, um, and you've been on the board before. We've had. We've brought directors in from other places, and it, it, it works for a little while, I think, but yeah. <laughs> ultimately, Vail's a hard place to live, and you have to have a, a passion for the area, and I, I just think that um, I, would, I would encourage us to, um, we are gonna have some turnover, you know, where people are getting uh, long in the tooth, me included, <laughs> and and people are going to be leaving, but that's why you have succession programs, right? And that's why you have Scott O'Connell attending meetings now so that he can take over. And we need to do that with all our departments. But I guess I would encourage us to um, get in the game a little bit, but I, I think we continue to work with our partners that we've <coughs> established and, and keep rent, renting seasonally. I think it's the smartest thing for us to do. We're, I don't want to say what we're getting because that's not fair to the, our partner, but it's a heck of a deal. Mm -hmm. I'll just say that. And this is a longtime friend of the VRD, and uh, it's a good relationship. Alice has been doing it for a while, and, and now uh, Scott and I just got done talking just a little while ago about doing it with F&B employees and other employees, too. I've talked to Jacob. Jacob would like to restart his internship program that you know Steve Sorrow had when he was here. We haven't done that in a long time, but that would be a big help to Jacob to have somebody who's in the industry come and work for you know a three-month period. It would help us out a lot. So, um, and 
And I just think our need right now isn't great enough for us to project and say, let's buy five units. I, 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 I don't think we have that right now. We did that survey, you guys saw that, and we didn't see a huge outcry for, we need to have a unit here. Yep. So, um, I have some questions. Sure. And this is what happens when you <laughs> send a lawyer a deed restriction. <laughs> Do we want to go to but that I'm one? I'm going to put him out there <laughs> because I'm going to, I would like these questions answered before by the town's attorney or whoever appropriate before I would vote to approve because the deed restriction is a very important component of ownership of these units. So, um, I'm not sure exactly where to start, but I'm going to start with the transfer provision. And this yep. is... Um, Section H2H. No, so this is on the deed restriction we got. So there's a deed restriction agreement for the occupancy and transfer of the Timber Ridge. And so this is the actual document that will be filed with the clerk and recorder. It, it, it's, it's an encumbrance to use a legal term, on the property, it will go with the property forever. So we have to play by all the rules underneath <coughs> this new restriction. Everyone does. <coughs> and it talks about transferring of the property. There might be at a time where we need to sell it, right? Um, there's some, there are a lot of questions I have, but one problem I ha have, it says, it says, um, the town has a right of first refusal. So if BRD ever wants to sell this, the town steps in and there's a right of first refusal. And it says, the town shall purchase the property from owner for a price equal to the maximum resale price. Those are in all caps in this deed restriction. That's an undefined term. Correct. Usually when you see a deed or see something in all caps in a legal document, it should be defined. It's not defined. And then it goes on to say, or the appraised market value, whichever is less. We don't have a price cap appreciation from what I understand, what Correct. your understanding is. Correct. I thought that I heard at some town council member meeting in regard to Timber Ridge that they did want to do a price cap appreciation. This type of language in regard to maximum resale price jibes with wanting a price cap appreciation because you have a maximum resale price of 3% or whatever it is every year. So I want to clarify what this language means. It says town shall purchase a property at a price equal to the maximum resale price. Well, if there's no, if there's no price cap appreciation, what the hell is that term? Excuse my language. Um, two, or the appraised market value, whichever is less. Well, does that even make sense? Who, who's appraising the market value? Um, market value, you can have one realtor say one thing and another realtor say another. Whose realtor controls? So I have concerns about the language in 4A on page no, it two. It totally makes sense because you don't have maximum resale price, price in your definitions. You like have you have a qualified tenant, you have a qualified owner, but you don't have a maximum resale price, price defined. Yeah, and so we'll, and just, I'm not gonna make a big deal about it right now, but there, 
the term owner is used throughout the, the, the majority of the document. There is a definition of qualified owner and, and I'm not really sure why we don't use qualified owner throughout the document. That makes more sense. It's a drafting issue, but I'd be interested to hear what an attorney from the town would say to that. So, okay. so that uh, I'm interested in, in more generally too, as in how a transfer would occur. Um, the town in at the very end of this document is taking a or sorry the next document which is exhibit one the housing guidelines um, when it's it has a listing provision the very end I'm sorry to jump around but it's section four of the housing guidelines and that listing document references a fee being charged to the selling owner of two percent by the town so it, it seems to be contemplating a listing fee. And I know that with certain deed restrictions, the town actually does serve as a listing agent. You don't really, you don't have a list real estate agent. You have the town administering the sale. Right. What I don't get from this deed restriction in these guidelines is a clear indication that the town is running a lottery in this instance. And if they're charging 2% from the seller, they should be run administering. That's why they charge the 2%. But it seems to me ambiguous in this language as to, especially in the deed restriction, if the town doesn't exercise its right of first refusal, who's actually administering the sale? Is the VRD or any owner going out and getting their own broker? Or are we gonna pay a broker and then we'll pay the town an extra 2% for really doing nothing. I'd like to have a better understanding of the process and in conjunction with that, understand whether or not we need to make more robust provisions in a deed restriction. Like I've seen in other deed restrictions that set forth, well, the town, if you're selling, the town is now the listing, the town's gonna put it in a lottery. This is how th that process works. That's unclear from these documents that I'm looking at. Um, the deed restriction also requires in section three, which is before the, it's on page two of the actual deed restriction, has occupancy restrictions. It says the property shall be continuously occupied by at least one qualified tenant as their principal place of residence. What is not clear is what does continuously occupied mean? So does that impose an obligation on the qualified owner or the owner that there is constantly a tenant? Can there be a gap in time, a two to three months, we can't find anybody, or do we have to fill it, or are we in violation of the deed restriction by not having the place continuously occupied? What does that mean um, in terms of enforcement of the town in regard to the deed restriction? Um, I would also like to understand the provision number seven in the deed restriction, which is, says consensual lien. It says, for the purpose of securing performance under this agreement and creating in favor of the town a right to redeem in accordance with part three of article 38 of title 38 CRS as amended, triumph hereby grants to the town a consensual lien on the property. Such lien does not have an amount. Does that lien extend to 
owners of units once they purchase it. What does it mean and why does the town need a consensual lien? A consensual lien is usually a lien. The most obvious example is a mortgage holder. They get a consensual lien on your property when you take out a mortgage because they're securing a debt. Right. Well, what is the town secure, securing by us giving it a consensual lien once we buy the unit from Triumph? Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of that? I would just like to understand. There is breach provisions which are very heavy-handed. Any sort of breach, um, the town sensibly can step in and there are remedies including compelling performance or a mandatory injunction requiring the property to be transferred. Um, not that the VRD is going to welch on its obligations, but this we should just all be aware that if we miss a payment on a unit, the town has all these remedies of being able to step in and do things in regard to if, if there's a cure period of 15 days. So let's say VRD misses a payment. Despite what your mortgage might say in terms of a breach and cure provision with the bank, the town has a different cure provision which says is if you don't cure a breach, which not making a payment on the mortgage would be, um, within 15 days they can come in and exercise these legal remedies that they've set forth in their deed restriction. Well, how does that jive with, you know, what you'd actually be doing? I mean, they're just concerned with owners making payments, right? Well, if the bank gives you 30 days right. to cure a breach, right. why would the we have to cure a breach within 15 days with the town? I don't want there to be, I don't think we'd ever do this, but when I read something like that and think about inconsistencies, I might be overthinking it, I might be being impractical, but this is what my mind is trained no, to do. That's a great point, because you see that one of the things can be if the tenant is in breach of this. So if we have an employee who does something against the rules, we have 15 days to deal with a personnel issue and get it resolved before the town steps in and puts down the hammer on us. That would be that another That could be a challenging example. situation for That sure. could be a challenging situation as well, absolutely. Um, and then, let's see. Um, I think I covered pretty much all of my questions from, you know, Reading this once through and not, you know, not getting paid $350 an hour to put the screws to it. Um, I move that. So, yeah. So, but those are my initial questions. And then one thing, you know, there's some certain things that I looked at and, you know, they want certain verifications. For instance, if we're an owner renting to a qualified tenant to verify that they're working for us or within the community a certain number of hours a week and so on and so forth, all of that stuff is very reasonable, except for the last one, I think is a little invasive. And I would like, you know, sometimes I just want to hear from the town why. Um, this is, is, is housing guidelines. Um, so this is after the actual deed restriction. These guidelines are incorporated into the deed restriction, and it says annual verification. You'll, mm -hmm. you know, we have to reply all this documentation, oh, but yeah. 
The last or second to last thing is required is each qualified federal tax return for the prior year together with an executed IRS form 8821. I'm not sure why that's in there. There, there are ways to verify, A, you verify through current employment um, with right. pay stubs and right. address contact information and then assigned authorization allowing to, the town to discuss employment details with the employer. And I think there were other obligations on the employer. All of that stuff is normal. Why do we have to produce tenants' tax returns to the town? What does that do to verify anything? Um, it's invasive. Um, we should always, as government entities, strive to do the job necessary in order to secure what we need to do, but you don't go overboard and asking for things that people consider to be their personal information. Not everybody, you know, ask our former president of the United States. He doesn't like disclosing his tax returns. Not everybody likes disclosing their tax returns. <laughs> So those are my initial thoughts on the deed restriction and the guidelines. I think the same, same questions, you know, we don't know what the monthly assessments are. Um, we don't know what the price escalation is going to be. Um, I want to be sure that we feel internal, internally, whether it's one unit, two units, three units, that we have the ability to manage these units. Um, you know, get somebody out there when something breaks, um, the pipes break, whatever it may be. Um, and I would also suggest that we, you know, we're careful when we actually get to the point of renting the places that we, we have sufficient deposits in place for damage. Um, you know, being able to withhold from a deposit as, as you're able to under Colorado law um, in the event that we have tenants that do damage. Um, I'm assuming, so, those are my thoughts right now. I, I do see benefit um, to um, investing in a unit. I'm not sure that three is it, all three of them is, is where what I would do at this point. Um, I think that the chairman made very excellent points about other availability for more seasonal employees as well. So those are my thoughts. If I could just tag on and then I'll look good around the board. Um, I agree with a lot of those points you brought up, John, and I had some of them highlighted my darn self. Um, this came from the town, and the town has been burned so many times in so many different ways that they have tried to make this as all-inclusive as possible and almost cumbersome and, I won't say unethical, but pushing the limit. So the town to perceives that. that they've been burned on two units, um, and they weren't burned. Um, what, what happened was the town uh, violated one deed restriction by over-investing in money that they could not recoup, um, and that was the housing department's um, mistake. It was a mistake. And um, what, they, what, what they were not willing to do was take a deed-restricted unit as is and sell it for the guaranteed maximum price. Um, they thought the housing department thought that, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna buy this unit and turn around and sell it, then we're gonna invest X amount of money. Um, then they were constrained in being able to ask for that in the subsequent sale. Um, so they've tried to 
change the way these deed restrictions are going. And, you know, look, I, I think they need to be comprehensive to achieve their purpose. Um, but on the other hand, your individuals and businesses are investing in these properties and they are privately owned properties. A deed restriction is just a deed restriction um, to achieve a goal. It is not giving the town an ownership interest in these properties. And the town is, with some of the new language in these deed restrictions, is getting really close to being overbearing government. Um, and, you know, that that's my personal opinion, and I can I can voice that opinion at a subsequent town council meeting if need be. Other input, please. Thank you, lawyer. <laughs> I, mean, I just have to say, John, if, if we really think that we're going to have an employee coming from out of town, you're brand new here. Congratulations, we have your employee housing unit for you. Will you please provide your federal tax return to us? Can't do that. Uh -huh. Yeah. No. <laughs> Why have a unit? Because I can guarantee you about half the people are going to say, there ain't no way I'm giving that to you. It hasn't. As I understand it, your federal, whether they make a million dollars or a thousand dollars, has no implication of whether they're eligible for this unit or not. That that one, yeah, I don't understand that one at all. The, the way I read that, and I think it needs clarification. I live in deed restricted housing and have to submit. So I follow the employee guidelines, which are ten pages long. Surprisingly, these employer unit guidelines are three pages long. So something worth looking up if you're curious with all your free time. Um, but I read it as it is if you're a returning, if you live there multiple years, granted, to John's point, I think that we can still provide that information in another way without providing our tax records. Um, and so I do think that's an opportunity for the town to change that. But I don't think the spirit of this is that we're asking for a brand new employee to give us their tax records from another state. So I, I think maybe it's a request for the, from the town to clarify that. Okay. Yeah, there, there are lots of ways to verify no. current employment in 30, 30 hours a week in Eagle County without providing your entire yeah, tip right. 40. Yeah, right. yeah. I think, in particular in my neighborhood, there are a lot of business owners that live there. And so I think that might even be for that, someone who might, they don't have an HR department. And so they would have to prove some way that they've lived there um, or their income came from their business in the prior year. But obviously for interns and new employees, that's not, it's not, it shouldn't be a requirement. So looking at the calendar, are we at a decision point tonight um, on, on the question? I think we don't want to wait if we, if we, Say it comes due May 1, we don't want to be in an April meeting trying to figure this out. And I won't be at the April meeting. That might be a good, might be bad, it's just a fact. Does anyone know when we find our final purchase price, how far before May 1 that may be? Is that uh, don't, don't two days know. or a month? Or? I can ask that question, but I, I don't think we know right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So as, I, as I'm looking at this, I see that we have two different issues or objectives this evening. Uh, John has spoken to the um, problems with the deed restriction and the, um, what did we call the other one? 
employee guidelines. The, yeah, the housing guidelines, guidelines. things. I think that's one question, and I think we need more answers on that. The one that we can work on this evening is, do we want three, do we want two, do we want one unit, do we want no units? And, and I think we ought to make a decision and move forward to that. And um, so I see them as two separate things, although it's the same agenda item. I um, can't make a decision now without the prices. So, yeah, so our projected fund balance at the end of, of um, 2024, our forecast is $9 million. Is that correct? That's, that includes the purchase of these units, yes. That includes the purchase. It includes the purchase of these units at the price that's up there, not an estimate in 10% or anything above that. Okay, all three? Yes. Okay. And that's? That's part of the $4.7 million capital forecast is the purchase of these units is included in that. And that's the full price of the units? Correct. Mm -hmm. And so are there we, we, some of the more major things that we're looking at in terms of expenditures is an unknown with the ICE? Yeah. At, at Dobson. So right now there's nothing in this budget for Dobson because we're assuming that the town is yeah. going to cover costs through 2024. So it, it's a very deceiving. Yes, we have a great fund balance number and it's about to get uh, hammered. Know, so we're hammered not, on Dobson for sure. And when you say we're going to get hammered on Dobson, we're talking about operationally for 2024 uh, and capital. And capital. We okay. don't. You if know, you remember, the, the town had wanted somewhere in the range of six, six million. We're saying we have, maybe we can come find a way to come up with three. Yeah. So a huge unknown there, but also operationally uh, as well. Okay. Especially while the ice is down. Um, that's great. We say we're going to go ahead and provide the staff. Guess what? We lost almost all of our revenue from the facility that helped to pay for that staff. Uh, we're going to lose all, pretty much lose all the concessions, uh, all those types of things that help to support that are gone. Yet we're still going to be have the expenses going out the door. Yeah, and so our revenues um, forecasted at around a million dollars, and so we can expect that to go away potentially for two years. Yes. Uh huh. So that is a hit on the fund as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it all plays into the into um, the picture. And then, before we get off of Dobson, temporary ice. Right now, the town hasn't asked us to contribute to temporary ice or and or new facility. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that they're going to come back and ask us for money. Okay. The town, the county, the bigger picture. Yeah, whoever else. Whoever. Whoever. Whatever partnership is able to come together, hopefully. Yep. Okay. So those are concerns. Um, and then uh, what other major capital expenditures you know, looking at the report? I mean, we plan to do got. Ford Park this year, and we just were in a meeting where um, we're going to get started with the restroom facility on number six. Yeah, okay, so that's on number six. So most of that is the town. I realize that, but we're going to have expenses in there. Okay. I'm feeling we get rid of a studio, get rid of a two-bedroom, save uh, over a million dollars, 
and uh, have the two-bedroom in place for needs that we don't even understand or forthcoming and have the opportunity to bring in employees. I, I worked at the golf course the maintenance for 25 years and I've seen many superintendents and I've seen many superintendent vacancies that could have been filled if they could have found housing. Sunny's a perfect example of the gymnastic center. We went three years because we didn't have a place. I had at least, at least to have one mm. in our back pocket and I think through master leasing and I think through the eight units and the, the uh, we don't want to tip our hands, but uh, the, the partners were building relationships. We've got eight beds right now. That's my preference. You know, the, whatever investment is made with this project, whatever many ever units, one, one, two, or three, the, obviously our goal is to put rec district employees in those units and they need to be as we understand continuously occupied so that's we need to be looking at the number of units that we can have that would be continuously occupied that needs to be um, a priority and again you know we could probably go out and find somebody else still comply with the deed restriction and everything who works for another entity that needs a place to live right. um, so we can rent to third parties but our priority as a board is to invest in our own staff in the best way possible um, and not to create housing opportunities for people in other organizations so that would be a, the worst case scenario i don't i would make, make make it sound bad because you're still providing housing for someone living and working in our community. Um, but our priority, I think, as a board should be to invest in the amount of units that we think that we can have occupied by rep district employees year round. So. Um, I, I support Bob's points. We, he and I have talked about this. Um, and the town of Vail is, is a partner to the Vail Rec District. Let, we don't want them to fail in this project. There will be other projects housing-wise going down. And I think the experience of us purchasing this, going through that process, um, gives a landing spot for, for critical employees. And uh, so I, I would support going down to one purchase of a two-bedroom unit. My only question is one enough. Uh, is there any, any, any discussion to be had about keeping the studio as well? You know? Uh, or, you know, uh, there's definitely support for one. I don't know if there's, if we need more. I'm trying to figure out, let's say we get people, we have a one bedroom with two people in it, and then we lose a, an, you know, a, an important employee. And so we're looking for, if we hire someone, we've got two people in that two bedroom, we've got people in the rentals. When, like, how does that look for getting housing for that new employee if all of our units are full? And they have to be continuously occupied if we buy them. So I just, I, I'm trying to figure that out in my brain what that That's looks why I like. said I think you're going to have to rent a place until that season is over and then you can 
you know, you wouldn't rent seasonally that next season because you'd have that person in there permanently. And you we put, have to come out with some policy about... You'd you put know, the new critical employee into that, but as someone comes <laughs> on for a season, you make it understood that this is yours until October. And that's... As I, I've known our employees, our seasonal people, they get here May, April, May, and they're back to school September. August. August. So you, you could say this is your place until August, and if we had a critical need, bring in an employee, Christy Lodgett, something like that, um, to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then we'd be breaking the rules, not having it occupied <clears throat> all the time. Right. I mean, if it's yeah. August, you're not going to have people for winter coming in August. They want a place in October or November. Although, if, I mean, if that's the case and you don't have a rec employee that's willing to move in, with the conversations we've had around town, we can find a restaurateur, we can find a chef, um, we can find lift operators. There are plenty of, I think, opportunities to assure that we have it continuously op occupied. And I wonder about that, John, with the continuously occupied, is a one-month breach in turnover going to be an issue? My hope is what that definition means is that you can't rent it out to someone else during the ski season and then say, oh, it's an employee housing during the summer. Mm. I hope that that's what that definition means, not that it yeah. can't be empty. I, I, I have to think that isn't their intent. What they're saying is you can't, you can't use it for your employees for part of it, but then, oh, use it for some other purpose for three months. Yeah. Airbnb. I hope that's what they mean. But, we have to find out. But taking it to the other extreme, they also don't want people purchasing these units and letting them sit empty. The sure. point is all this investment and, right. and these deed yep. restrictions on it is to have them occupy you have and to have make your best faith there. effort right yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's got to be some sort of good faith effort standard on the owner's part in terms of being able to lease it the, i think they're concerned about what happened over at the i forgot the name of the place but it's to the east of the parking garage that's right up against the road now um <laughs> that owner had a bunch of employee housing units and they're all listed for four grand a month or something and no one could afford them so they sat empty and they're trying to avoid situations like that yeah the altus yes altus altus so what's the next step what do you want to do with a number of units I mean, it sounds to me that one is max, right? That's that makes sense, from what I've heard from input for everybody. I think we just that makes sense with staff. It does. Again, I um, right now I don't see the critical need. Now, again, I mean, you're going to have some people leaving here, um, but. Do you fill that with people that already live here, or are you gonna, are you gonna go? I just don't see our needs for employees dictating that we have to go outside the state, outside the area to get the people that we need. There are positions. Your superintendent, maybe your executive chef, maybe your community programming person, because they have to have a degree and they have to have. 
different things, but um, I do think that for the most of the your employees, you can fill them with people that already live here. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Most of our employees, we have one, two, three that I know of that are recreation majors. Everybody else is not a their 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 degrees are not in recreation. The, for the units that we have secured for rentals, do we have any kind of contract or guarantee that we'll have them for X amount of years? I think you've mentioned. We don't. Kind of we just have a, you know a, a stare in the eye and a handshake. Handshake, yeah. Which, to me, I mean, Alice has been doing that for a while, and so have, so have I and Joel with our camps. This will be the first time that we're going to do it in addition to what Alice is doing. It's the same. It's the same entity. We're just going from three, three beds to five beds, so we'll have eight total. But I've been I've been told by this this person that this is something that can continue year after year. Yeah, they are interested in that. They're, the units that we'll be in are units that are occupied by the owner in the winter time. <coughs> And not in the summertime. So he wants rental income for the summertime. So it works out perfect for them. Perfect. Win win. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do I hear consensus on uh, one two bedroom unit? Shake your head, raise your hand. I can agree with that, but I I I can't agree with the the tax returns. But that that's, uh, that I think is a, a separate issue from. It's just too much. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Uh, what I plan to do so that you guys have... the time. Tell me if it, this is what you want me to do, but I, I plan to, to try to clarify this with, with the town. And then I, I think I should pay $350 an hour for <laughs> Allison to look at it and give her input. And we may or may not be able to make a difference. Uh, this is the town's project. This is Triumph. This is our uh, housing authority and uh, the town's housing department. Um, but these are all, thank you, John. Uh, Billis, it, they're all yeah. valid, I, valid I, points. Yeah, I just feel like the deed restriction's got a lot of question marks, and it's not just going to be us. You know, right. once most businesses in town get to the point where they're signing on the dotted line, they're going to get their lawyers involved, and their lawyers are going to read these deed restrictions. No one's paying attention to it right now. Yep. It's just a piece of paper that's not being scrutinized. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's a separate point. Um, I don't know. Is it still valid that Kim Langmaid's name is on the back? Um, I'd like to feel that like we have some direction to go to one, two bedroom. Jason? Like I said, I could agree yeah. with one, but Myself? some of this terminology oh. has to change yeah. in the paperwork. Yeah. John? I think it will. Um, yes, one. Um, if we feel like it's necessary. I know that three, I feel like at this point, we definitely know that three are not necessary. No. Let's move forward with one two-bedroom unit. Okay. Thank you for the discussion. The input is very, very good from all. Uh, next 
item on the agenda is the January 2024 financial report. Mr. Weaver. So we did include uh, January financials. I will say um, I should have put a giant preliminary uh, across these for two main points. Um, bank accounts, in terms of December financials, bank accounts are reconciled. We have the majority of probably all of the invoices are going to go on the expense side. What we're working on is some revenue accruals. Throughout the year, we're on a cash basis. So, for instance, at um, for before and after school, because of our online programming, the way we did it, we saw a massive. We, April and uh, Sarah and I were going over today. Back in July, we we sold out most of before and after school for the entire upcoming school year, right? Mm -hmm. So it used to be we didn't take all these payments in advance and we had minor amounts, six, $7,000. April ran the numbers today, we have $60,000 of what we collected for before and after school from people prepaying their bill in July and August was, at, was still for their kids to be in the program from January <laughs> through May. So we have a lot of items moving around. And what that's causing is you're seeing a lot of variances here. We haven't done that yet, so it shows, for instance, community programming is $13,000 off of budget. We still need to pull, now it's gonna show the opposite, we need to pull 60,000 of revenue out of last year, defer that, and put it into this year. So we have a lot of those items going on, as well as just with the timing of everything done, the department heads have not been able to uh, have input yet on how much, you know, line item by line item, how much do you think you're going to spend or receive? Let's say you have a $10,000 budget. Well, how much of that is in January versus February? Right now, it's Eric writing a complicated formula to spread that based on how we spent or received the money the year before, and we know that there's always changes. We wanted to put out January financials to, to have them here. Just know that, especially on the budget spread, there's items that are moving, and even on the revenue side, we do have some accruals uh, that are still gonna be going on. Um, overall, as it shows, uh, we're, we're about 27,000 light on the revenue side. Dobson shows as a big one. Um, it showed that we would basically collect almost all of our Bob Johnson money right in the month of January. It's gonna, it, it's just not gonna end up being quite that way, right? We have some things. Um, for instance, we talked about community programming. Nordic is probably, uh, Dan, Tim may have some adjustments, but certainly uh, we saw a great month of December. Here it's showing that January is down a little bit. None of these items have me hard, you know, hugely concerned at this point. Um, on the expense side, overall uh, unfavorable, but really a lot of that is uh, golf, food, and beverage was positive from revenues. They were over in expenses. You net the two of those out, uh, and you're pretty much back in line. Uh, that's our only negative variance on the expense side. Could you say that one more time? Uh, we're, so we're overall in expenses, 20,000 favorable. The one unfavorable item you see is that the uh, food and beverage banquet room right. is over in expenses. But if you look up to revenues, they basically offset it. They had a great month of January in terms of revenues. Well, our expenses went over because of having a great month of January and revenues were also over in expenses. Okay. But when you net them together, they're basically right on track with budget. 
Thank you. Um, long ways to go on capital. You see we spent zero dollars and zero cents uh, in the month of January. So not surprising. Uh, you know, a lot of things happen as the spring comes along. Uh, again, employee housing units are a big part of that. We'll be able to show uh, that we're going to carry forward roughly an extra million dollars with the decision that was just made. Uh, so that will certainly help as we uh, increase our fund balance at the end of this year going into 2025 when it's needed for Dobson and other projects that we have going on. So very preliminary, but so far nothing of huge concern uh, on our side. Happy to answer any questions you guys have. Anybody have anything for Eric? So Gulf Maintenance just received a, a high dollar capital uh, item in February. Can you remind us uh, how that's paid or leased? Uh, we're paying cash for the for the snowcat. We're trading in the old one, so it's we yeah. show that we're buying it for the full price, and then we show a revenue for the trade-in amount. Yeah. Uh, but it'll it, we're just paying cash for that snowcat. Mm -hmm. I assume that's what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then those charges for that cat are allocated to Nordic. Uh, they hid in the cap. Technically, if you were to look at a breakdown of it. Um, it goes to Nordic's portion of capital. In the financials you're seeing, it gets lumped into this capital expenditure budget of $4.7 million uh, down at the bottom. What's the useful life of that piece of equipment? Do you know roughly? 20 years or? Oh, no. Five-ish. Oh, five years. You can run them a lot longer, but Bob will tell you the tracks need to be redone and all these things, and they get extremely expensive to maintain. Okay. And, so, and your quality... I'm trying to remember when I first came here, how long did we run the, the original Snowcat that uh, it, it was barely, you know, it was like we were using duct tape by the end to keep it healthy. We had together. duct tape pulling that together. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, Jacob we, we, will tell you, I think, that 3,000 hours is your max. Oh, okay. Before you start needing major investments, grousers, tracks, bogey wheels, blah, blah, blah. Um, in fact, the cat we just traded in, basically died as it loaded onto the truck to go goodbye. <laughs> so we got our money's worth without having a significant. Uh, so there is there's some merit to uh, replacing them sooner. But uh, I understand the cat's doing a great job out there. We got a great operator, too. Anything else for Eric? Executive Director Report, Mike. Um, any highlights for us? I think most of my highlights dealt with Dobson, but you've already heard that. Yep. I do want to point out a couple things. Uh, was proud of the sports department with the race they had this last weekend. They had a 175 people registered for the Vail Uphill. Not all of those finished, but that's a record number for people that registered for that race. Um, part of the proceeds of that go to the U.S. Mountain Running Team. And that's in honor of uh, Lyndon Ellison, who uh, those of you who have lived here a long time, which is just about everybody, probably knew Lyndon. Um, uh, so uh, proud of that. Um, let's see. I was also proud of the fact that the sports department is timing a lot of local races in the area, especially helping out the schools. So they helped Eagle Valley High School with their Nordic race, and they timed that for them. You know, it's, it's nice to have chip timing and, and to really do it right. Um, and our department is able to do that. Um, in Nell's department, I think one of the big things is we have Steve Gordon, who is a Vail resident here, teaches over at VMS. 
um, is helping us to translate all of our registration forms and brochure materials into Spanish. That was something that Nell felt was really important to do, and she's getting accomplished through uh, Google Translate and Steve Gordon, so happy about that. Um, you just mentioned it, but the groomer, we got a lot of positive comments about the grooming. Um, we've gone from corduroy to a, a more finer um, and more, um, more coverage with a fine brush, and so people are really happy with that. I got, um, I went to Marka's memorial the other day and, and uh, Mrs. Herkel grabbed a hold of me and said, thank you for the snowcat, it's so nice. And, <laughs> and so I um, wanted to tell you that. Uh, also, Jacob has hired another assistant. His name is Frank Pantsky and he's coming from Chicago. He's supposed to start in April. They're excited about that. Um, Where is he staying? <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually had his family has a place in uh, in Summit County and then they're looking here so uh, is he uh, they're looking here so there's more than there's a it's a couple or yes he, Great. he has Great. a wife and he's a, they're coming together and they have a place to to stay in Summit County until they find a place here but Wonderful. they definitely want to find a place in Eagle County um, I just want to say thank you to Scott and, and to Jared for this whole Dobson process. We're, we're, it seems like every day we're doing something, um, interviewing or looking over costs or trying to say whether we approve this or that. And um, I certainly want to thank the town. Chris, Chris Knight's been great, but Scott and Jared have put in a lot of time, so I want to say thank you to them. And we have lots of um, food and beverage has an exciting March coming up. They have lots of events and stuff going on. You saw where they finished the year last year. So they're doing a great job. Um, really happy with everybody. Community programming, 50 kids a day. Keep on doing it. So that's a, I don't think that's really, we need to do a better job. It's not now, I'm not saying that, but we need to do a better job of, of what we're doing. I don't think people realize what 50 kids at an after-school program means to the community. Like if, if you didn't have that, what would you do? Where would those kids go? What would they do? You're gonna make me cry again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next item on the agenda. <laughs> Pass the tissues. <laughs> No, so, it's, it's really important what we do and the, the staff we have. It's really important. You know, we've had some unfortunate things happen here in the community in the last, in the last couple of weeks. And I think it's, um, you know, our job is bigger than just having games and doing stuff. Our, the mental health of this community and the physical health of this community is, is a large portion of what we do. And I, I feel like our programming is is really really good for the community that we serve i mean just the opportunities that you have to do to do things here in a community of 5,000 people it's pretty un to me it's pretty unbelievable i got interviewed by vale magazine today and the it was an independent writer from um from uh summit county or actually from from uh, picking county 
And she was like, I can't believe your Nordic track. Your Nordic track is so nice. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it gets noticed by people everywhere. And people take pride in what they do. I mean, plus the race series. I hear people from Aspen who commend our race series yeah. of how mountain biking is incredible. Uh, the snow sports with the schemo now that we added. Just incredible feedback that I've heard as well. It's the yeah. gold, gold standard for the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, if I could say it this way, it starts at the top, Mike, and you're at the top. Thank you for doing it. Thanks for taking care of the crew and acknowledging them because we're all important. We're all important. Yeah. Um, Even you, buddy. <laughs> I just, I'm just in the center seat. Um, the 45th anniversary of Dobson Ice Arena. I think it's a great time to introduce the new Dobson. Yeah. Da -da -da, here it comes, 45 years, but look what's tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I think that's this, good. This is Scott's idea. It's a great <coughs> idea. We're going to have a, he's, he, Scott likes to party. Drop the puck. So, so uh, he is going to put on a bash for us and celebrate. And I think it's important that we celebrate, but I like your idea too. Like. Here's what's coming. Hey, yeah, it's time for that. Ho hopefully in April we yeah. we know a little bit more. Yeah, you see it on Vail Mountain. The new Chair 7's coming. The new, I mean, yeah. they're, they're showing it off. Um, event races, winter races, um, the Schemo Vail Recreation District has donated to Vail Mountain Rescue Group for having their seven volunteers. What was our donation in appreciation? Is it cash? It usually is cash, yes. I don't know what it was, though. Okay. Because I was that. also the treasurer of that organization, I can tell you I things remember about that. their wants and needs. Um, that's all I have question-wise on the director's report. Anybody else? Board member input. Uh, Jason has offered to go first this evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, tonight I would like to thank the person behind the keyboard there, Nell, for doing a wonderful job with all the marketing. You've done a spectacular job with these right here. Beautifully done. So I just want to say thank you very much. And I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it's, and also keep in mind there's a magnet on the back of the trail running series. Very thoughtful. And who doesn't smile when they see a face like that? <laughs> so when you look at it, the details, I mean, Nell knows this, but the details that go into a catalog like this are probably in the thousands in terms of the details you got to make sure are correct. So hats off to you. Thank you. I just, I, can staff. I just say really quickly, um, our graphic designer, Madeline Leibarger, um, she handles the design for those, and she really did a great job. Very creative with the trail running postcard this year, so just yeah. wanted to give her a shout-out. Please pass it along to her. That wonderful job. I have nothing else other than I'd like to recognize Austin with High Five Productions. He's been here through thick and thin. We appreciate the coverage, brother. Hey, Austin. That's so nice. Um, to Mike's point, anyone that doesn't know what the Vailrec does, this chart here is unbelievable. Um, first page in this pamphlet, beautiful job. It really details perfectly like the, what I would be looking for as a mother, what age, what activity, what dates. So fantastic work there. And then I would also like to give Madeline uh, a big compliment. If you turn to page one, you will see Solvay Raven 
in the what? photo there. What? Yes. What? Yep, cheesing. So thank you. <laughs> right there. So cute. <laughs> Don't make me cry. <laughs> John, follow that. Uh, I don't have anything for it. <laughs> Looking for a motion to adjourn. I move to adjourn. I second. second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you for being here.